Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It is your favorite guilty pleasure, the Chad and Cheese Podcast. It's another cult brand series with Recruitment Marketing's Julie Callie. And today we're going to be talking about a little bit of Russia companies pulling out, what it means to your brand retention recruitment. Let's get into it, guys. We'll be right back after this quick break. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transform, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. It seems like the days of companies saying they serve only shareholders are long gone and that society's expectations for companies have changed since Coca-Cola sold soft drinks in Nazi Germany and Heineken brewed beer in Rwanda during the genocide there. Is this what we would classify as, quote unquote, woke capitalism, or is this a major awakening? Is this is this what cult brands are all about? What do you think, Julie? Well, I think the term cult is a group that is joined by shared or common beliefs. So yes, a brand is uniting people based on what they believe. That is how they bring both their employees together and they get a consumer following as a cult brand. So yes, how they're responding to the humanitarian crisis in the Ukraine is a defining moment for a brand. Um, and companies are under pressure to make these choices right now. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> and, and many are bending to that pressure, as we've talked about in, in past shows about who's leaving uh, Russia in light of the invasion of Ukraine. We're talking big tech. We're talking Google, Microsoft, Facebook. Uh, we're talking consumer brands, McDonald's, Coke. We're talking about even in our space. Uh, the likes of Upwork, Fiverr, Indeed, and Adzuna have all made statements about leaving the country. So the pressure is real, and companies are really coming to terms with what their brand means um, in terms of the promise uh, that they make to consumers, customers, and the public at large. But we want to talk about a lot of things, but I think first we might want to start about the impact on recruiting and retention that comes along with doing business in countries that aren't necessarily in line with our values. Any thoughts on that, Julie? Well, every company's making a choice. Um, are you in? Are you out? And most of them are making the decision to do nothing, right? Paralyzed with choice. Uh, wh- which side do I stand on? What do I do? What are the pros and cons of this? Um, but in recruiting, right, if we talk about job seekers and what they want today, They want to belong to an organization that's aligned with their beliefs. So how a company is responding to this could have a huge impact on their recruitment and them as an employer brand. 
Also, what it says to their own employees as their employees look to their employer to say, well, what are you doing about this? We have people there. We have business there. What are we going to do to, to show where we stand and, and our beliefs? You could lose employees over your choices. You could win new talent over the choices. So there's a lot at stake for companies to make this choice. No one wants to go to that cocktail party working for that company that's in bed with a dictator, I think is what you're saying, right? <laughs> well said. Listen to this. This is this is hilarious. So this is a quote from our friend David Solomon over at Goldman Sachs. He told uh, Time Magazine, quote, I don't think businesses are supposed to decide how global trade works in the world. And then good old DJ Soul uh, drops a memo with this excerpt, quote, None of us can fail to see this for what it is, the invasion of a sovereign state. Then they pulled out of Russia. That is bending to the market. Now, the question is, does DJ Soul really give a shit about recruitment or is this really just shareholders? I mean, what's what's really forcing this to happen right now? And who the hell is DJ Soul? Should I know them? David Solomon, the <laughs> CEO of Goldman Sachs. Oh, he's Sachs. not a DJ. He's not actually a DJ. He, he is a DJ. He goes by DJ Saul. The guy's like 90 fucking years old. I'm <laughs> saying he doesn't old. mix records is what I'm saying. He's tracks. I think he does. He doesn't have a fresh <laughs> prince. Well, I would say um, David's probably not responsible for talent acquisition, recruitment, or employer brand with a statement like that. If he doesn't have people, though, he can't do. He, they, he can't. He can't make his shareholders money. Correct. Right. So the real challenge that um, you know people that are responsible for talent acquisition and talent attraction are for is that they they understand that these are things that they have to face mm -hmm. um, in the front line with their employees. Um, this this is absolutely to do with motivation and retention of your existing workforce. I mean, when you look at it, you, you have to have a brand stance that you at least support the basic rights of humans. Right. If you don't, then people are going to question you as an employer. Um, you need to give uh, material for them, your own employees, even to go home or somebody who you want to build excitement with that you want to come work for your organization. You want them to be able to go out on a date or sit down at the dinner table with their family and talk about what their employer is doing or the company that they are interested in working for is doing that's making a social impact. Daddy, yeah. why do you work for a company that does business in Russia? <laughs> <laughs> why do you support Putin? Are we seeing job descriptions and or like glass door reviews yet around, you know, siding with Ukraine or we're, we're getting out of Russia? Are we seeing that? And do you think we will if we're not yet? I'm seeing a lot of activity. Uh, if you just look at LinkedIn as an example, you're seeing a lot of activity of mm -hmm. individuals who are proud of their employer for taking a stance, for having some type of activity that they are doing to support uh, the people of Ukraine. And, and that that's real evangelism of your own people, that yeah. they are telling the world, not only am I proud to work for this company, I'm proud to tell the world that I'm proud of working for this company. And that creates opportunity for someone else to say, hey, you know, I'm not happy at my company. Looks like you have found a place that really connects with my values. Can you introduce me to your recruitment team? That is where there is that potential to use this as a way to really say, who are you as in a brand? 
mm-hmm. and attract more people that are like-minded. That is cult status. So, and what about the leaders in those industries? And let's just look at ours real quick. Okay. So Adzuna, at least from what we saw on LinkedIn, they, Doug and Adzuna pulled out of uh, Russia first, then Indeed followed, then Talent.com followed. But I mean, Doug was the CEO of Adzuna was very vocal in challenging the other brands to do so. Now that says a lot for that brand, for that organization, for that leadership vision. Um, but those others that followed along, I mean, do they get as much credit? How does how does this work? And and, and do you want to work for one of those followers or, or does it even matter? Yeah, I, I would say um, I really respect when someone takes a clear position mm-hmm. um, because it's it, it's identity. That is brand. Who are you? Right when you take a clear position, then it's clearly understood. If you do nothing, then it's not known. Right, so it could be either. Right, are you in support? Are you for? Or are you not? So where companies are kind of positioning is, you know, they're either closing, they're pausing, they're condemning. Right, maybe they can't actually do the actions to to close or to pause, but they can at least condemn. But to show support, like that's the minimum there. Like have support for the people who are going through a horrible experience right now. You, you doesn't matter where you stand. Is condemning enough? No, because if you think about it, so let's say for instance, Procter and Gamble, who they've discontinued all new capital investments in Russia, significantly reducing product portfolio. I mean, they're doing a lot of stuff, but they're partially pulling out. If they fully pulled out, uh, they risk more than likely Russia taking over that entire manufacturing facility, which serves 70% of all razors in Russia. So, you know, it's it's a big difference between Procter and Gamble, uh, 70% market share in Russia with manufacturing and Netflix, who can just switch on the tech and switch it off. So again, how do you differentiate between those two? Yeah, th- this is tough, right? This is where companies really have to make decisions based on their values. Um, there's so much risk in this. So I I don't blame any brand or leadership team or company that's struggling right to, now to, to determine how to respond to this. It is a very difficult thing, but it doesn't always have to be all or nothing or in or out. Um, you can take a position and, and still be careful about how that manages the risks that are associated with your business. Um, there's lots of cons associated with, you know, taking a very firm position, even for leaders to speak out in and condemn. Uh, there's threat. Uh, there has been threat from um, Russian prosecutors that would arrest corporate leaders who criticize the Russian government. So that that's a risk as a leader to 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 speak what your your thoughts and your views are. Um, they're seizing assets if companies withdraw. So that example that you brought up of PNG, right? Um, but also PNG is supplying you know goods to that market by cutting that off. We're also cutting off the people, right? We're creating we're adding to the humanitarian crisis by also punishing the people of Russia who are not the day-to-day decision makers of what's taking place. Um, nationalizing the assets of these brands, that, that is, that is a real loss for a company. Like you brought up McDonald's, McDonald's 
has made a decision to close their, their, their stores. That's 850 restaurants. Now, if you think about that, that's 62,000 employees. They're losing about $50 million a month to make that decision. Um, and then they're also impacting the people of Russia, where McDonald's was an affordable cost of food for many. And now in a time where they're financially crippled, that is cutting off an opportunity for people to get a daily meal. Yeah. I think you take a look at McDonald's. That's about 3% of their operating income and about 9% of its revenue. So 9% doesn't sound like a, a lot, but it it is. Uh, but I also have to think that, you know, we've heard about, let's say, for instance, we did a story on OnlyFans shutting down their Russian uh, content providers, right? Then they then they started them back up because they said, well, you know, those people, it's not their fault. Well, you know what? It's not the Ukrainians people's fault that they can't create content now either because they're being bombed to shit. So the question is, you know, if we talk about the poor people of Russia, we're forgetting the poor people of Ukraine. By the way, we'll put Julie's OnlyFans account in our show notes if you want to check that out after, <laughs> after listening. She does origami. You should buy. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, there are there are a lot of cons to be careful of. And, and then which people are you choosing to support the rights of? Well, it's all people. It's all people, always, right? The basic rights of people and their access to food and water and safety <laughs> that should never be in question and it doesn't matter who you are. So brands have a lot at risk. These relationships, this business that they've established in Russia, they've taken decades for them to establish. I mean, McDonald's did not open up 850 stores overnight. Um, it took time. 30 years. Yes. You know, and what I would say is it, to any company or anybody who's looking at this and saying, oh, how is it possible that you could shut down activity all at once? How could you ever expect to restart? Well, we just did that in a pandemic. We shut down the whole globe <laughs> and and found ways to carry on. So I would just say, even if you look at the most impossible things that we faced just recently with addressing, you know, COVID times, we found a way to go move on. We will do the same in this case. So yes, it, it seems like there's a lot of risk out there associated with that. And every business needs to decide that for themselves. But what I would say is take a stance. You, you, you're better off saying to the world for the pressure that you're probably getting from your investors, the pressure you're probably getting from your consumers and your own employees that are looking to you to say, who are you as an organization? Because that's what I need to decide. Am I part of this? Where do you stand in this? What I love about this is we're getting into the nuance of this issue. And when it first sort of came to light, it was like, fuck Russia, let's get the hell out. They suck. But now that we're digging into it, we're, we're looking at things like, well, okay, there are franchisees who have agreements to open up you know, a Papa John's or a, a KFC in Russia. There are certain legal boundaries that we can't cross. So to, to someone on the outside, it looks like, oh, well, Papa John's is still, you know, they're still in Russia. When in reality, there's a franchisee agreement. So as, a, as an employer, how do you deal with that? I think those are really challenging issues. And also think of thinking about how many Russians are being impacted by this. We talked about uh, Upwork and Fiverr leaving uh, Russia on, on the weekly show. How many contract workers 
you know, young people or people with, you know, uh, develop, developers and uh, programmers and designers that can't really get work anywhere else are now shut off from the world. This is the nuance that I think is great that we're talking about. But, but Julie, I'm curious for the, for the companies that do have complicated agreements in Russia and can't get out all the way, how do they spin that to, to employees and pr- perspective uh, employees? Well, again, right. We, every company, every person should believe and support the basic rights of humans. So if your business it has something that's involved with supporting those basic rights for humans, then that's what you should be leaning in on. What is it that you're doing that's essential to that? So, you know, if you're um, a company that has commitments to franchisees within that country, that then you have an agreement for that. You have to continue to fulfill that. I'm not the right person to probably answer for what the best risk and the best political move is for that, for that business. But what I will say is, there's going to be economic instability. That agreement that you have is going to be threatened in jeopardy because of the economic instability happening within there, within inside the country. The safety of your workers, um, that's also something companies are going to have to consider. If they're continuing to operate and they're continuing to support business in that area, there's also safety concerns of the workers and their families. So you have safety, you have financial. These are all things that are business decisions that go outside of just brand that, that companies really have to face and determine what is the best risk assessment for them. So as I understand it, I just want to I just want to talk through this a little bit. If Russia nationalizes McDonald's, can can the Russian government operate McDonald's and em- keeping employing those workers and just hope to hell that people realize it's not the real McDonald's? Because as I understand it, McDonald's has little legal recourse if the government of Russia wants to set up a bunch of McDonald's burger joints. They won't have the supply chain, obviously. The product won't be near the same, but they can still- No, 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 no. They can do whatever they want. They, they can name it whatever they do you, want. Do you think that's going to happen? Uh, th- there's a good opportunity for it too. Well, this is where you know McDowell's comes into play, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, There it is. Nothing like a coming to America reference. Yeah, McDowell's. We start seeing one of those on every corner. Well, there's a lot of businesses at risk with this, right? Um, You know, you, Chad, you brought up that example of P&G. They have a large operation there. Um, And all of the companies that have, you know, manufacturing plants that have um, a lot of facilities set up. So not mm. only are they at risk of losing the property assets, but they're also at risk of losing the people, right? Yeah. Those yeah. workers can be redistributed into a different way. Now that plant can produce something else and it could be another product and it could slap a new label on it and send it out. We we're Companies are very exposed and have a lot of threat in that way. Well, now that you see this, right, and you are a brand, let's say you don't have a presence in Russia, but in five years, if you're a brand and you don't have a any type of representation in Russia five years from now, do you go there? I mean, do you take the chance? Because there is an opportunity that McDonald's becomes McDowell's. Yeah. I mean, this is every company has to make that decision and it goes beyond just your brand in that case. There are financials, there's risk assessment. Mm-hmm. Um Loss of assets. Uh, yes, loss of assets and, you know, exposing too much of your own, you know, secret sauce. 
<laughs> um, a lot of companies that have those operations today that are running very successfully have spent decades to create them. Now, it can be easy to say, we quit, we walk away. But rebuilding any of that, reestablishing that from that is going to be a challenge. Is it possible? Yes. I, I don't think I'm probably the best person to speculate what the outcomes would be for companies, you know, provided everything just resets tomorrow and everything goes back to normal. I think that companies being impacted now that are looking at how there's a lot of geopolitical activity that can happen anywhere. And what does that do to business? Um, a brand should be less geopolitical and always be more human rights. That will never change, right? For, for a brand. Always believe in the humans. The politics will come and go like the weather. As long as companies are leaning in and always thinking about what's best for the people, that is what will make a difference for a brand. But for financials, well, that is all a different type of market. Yeah. Yeah. So on the weekly show, I believe it was a weekly show or the European show this year. We talked about it a couple of times this week. Uh, we talked about Fiverr and Upwork leaving and knowing that there is a large percentage of the work that happens on those two platforms is coming out of Russia from a technical standpoint. 10%. The the opportunity for brain drain here, because you could actually have all of these Russians leave for neighboring countries and prospectively not come back. The brain drain for Russia is high here, don't you think? Yeah, we're already in a talent crisis and we're going to alienate an entire country of talent. Uh, th that, that, that seems very frustrating. That frustrates me because, again, it's not about the people. I don't believe that every individual person <laughs> that uh, is trying to make a living in Russia is, you know, having the power to make the decisions that are creating the crisis. <laughs> I don't believe that. There are a lot of talented people in Russia who have the opportunity to fill in the talent gaps that we experience through a lot of these platforms like Upwork. And Do you think Russians become toxic? Do people stop employing at a rate that they would normally? Or you know, if, if I'm looking for a contractor on Upwork after the dust has cleared on all this and maybe Putin's out of power, am I less likely to employ Russia? Or if Russia is decimated, am I more likely to now want to help and employ Russians? Well, I would hate to see that, right? Because that starts to breed a whole new form of discrimination, you know, based on where you were born, whether mm -hmm. or not you're employable. Yeah, we've seen it before, right? It's going to happen. We, yeah, right. We, we would never want to see that to be the case. But could somebody's political views impact whether or not they're hireable? Mm -hmm. That is already true. Um, and you can see that when background checks are done and people look at someone's activity on social media and how they're behaving um, in response to political activity and things. Uh, absolutely. Companies oh, are making decisions on that in their uh, in the review process. That's actually interesting. So companies like Fama that look at social profiles, do you think they're now going to start looking at any pro-Putin comments or pro-Russian <laughs> comments? Yeah. I'm serious. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, just like uh, if I make, you know, racist comments, if I make an, a pro-Putin comment, am I now out of the uh, the running to be an employee? Yes, Madison well, Cawthorn, you are. 
<laughs> oh, <laughs> Again, someone, I don't know who that is either. You with the someone names making today. racist comments um, on their, you know, their profiles that doesn't align with a company's cultural values, then yeah, it's a disqualifier. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad that it would be. So now they're going to put in pro-Putin or pro-Russian, right? So that's a big stance for a company yeah. to take. That's, I that to. I would say is geopolitical. That I have caution with that. But do you believe in human rights? That That's where the emphasis should stay, that we believe that all people should have equal opportunity. But will someone get a job and then be fired because during this during this, during this time, they made a pro-Putin comment? That's going to happen, I promise. It's not a question. I'm just making a crazy statement. But I do have a question, Julie. We've talked about Procter & Gamble quite a bit. And uh, Old Spice, uh, my father's favorite <laughs> cologne, has a commercial now featuring Ivan Drago, which was, as old Gen Xers know, was the boxer who took on Rocky uh, and is is sort of like the figurehead of U- the USSR Rocky from the 80s. Four. He's in oh, a freaking yes. commercial and the commercial is still running because I saw it today and I thought, oh, they're going to definitely get this off the air. Does that have impact on on recruiting retention and, and brand status if you're running Yvonne Drago in an Old Spice ad during this time? I mean, I would hope that it would not, right? We shouldn't cancel you all of Russia. You're head, you're head of Procter um, & Gamble's marketing. Do you keep running that ad? I would say that P&G is in a challenging situation because of how much they have in Russia that they support. 70%. Is that what you said, Chad? That was just for razors. Just Gillette razors. Chad, would you run it? I I haven't seen the commercial, to be honest. I'm happy to get back to you with an opinion on that after I've seen it. I I haven't I haven't seen it. Does he get knocked out? Because if he gets knocked out, yeah. No, no, I I run it all the time. It's really stupid because old spice commercials are really freaking out there. But basically like some guy's sweating and then Yvonne Drago comes on. It's like the young Yvonne Drago, so it's not even like the current Dolph Lundgren old guy. Mm -hmm. It's like the actual young guy and he's got like sweat coming out of his pits and then he puts on the deodorant and like so there's really no sort of Russian, uh, pro-Russian or negative. It's just Ivan Drago. And I'm just, I'd pull it in a second. I, you guys haven't seen it. We'll get back to you if you do see it. But I, I can't imagine the the head of marketing at Procter & Gamble saying like, this is a good idea. Let's keep running this Ivan Drago commercial. So Joel is a no. Okay, that's great. Uh, so I'm pulling out. Let's do this. While everybody's pulling out, Julie's going to give us the tips. Uh, Julie, Just you, the tips, Julie, you have you have the tips for you know companies who let's say at this point right now they haven't done anything. What are some of your tips from a, a marketing standpoint, from a recruitment brand marketing standpoint for any company that's out there who really, I mean, maybe they're in the fetal position in the corner. So my advice to any company would be to do something. To do nothing is a statement. Right. It, it does define who you are by doing nothing. Do something. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be all or nothing or in and out. But again, how I said, lean into the support of basic human rights. Now, why does this matter in talent attraction and recruitment? Because deciding where you stand gives the opportunity for people to stand with you. That's what you want to do. 
You want to evangelize your own employees to tell the world that they're proud of their employer. When they get out there on LinkedIn and they start talking to people at the barbecue and friends that they interact with, they are telling the people the story of where they work. Oh, I'm so excited my employer has made a decision, has made a donation, and we're doing these things to be helpful and supportive to the cause. Most of their time is invested with their employers. So how can the employer help them be part of that and stand together? So uh, do something. Decide where you stand. And, and if it isn't all in, then go all in. If, if you're out because there's something that has a great risk associated with that, well, then look at what other ways can you commit? or how. There, there's there's always an answer that, that can be uncovered there. But the worst thing you can do is do nothing at all. I'll give one more here, Anna. Um, give your employees pride in your org. Give them the ability to understand that you are a company that supports basic human rights and donate or give people an opportunity that you can support them internally. Have Do you even know? Do you have any employees who are affected by the crisis right now? Are they struggling? Are their families struggling? Can you do something internally to help your own people that might be directly impacted by this? And, and give them pride so that they can tell the world about how proud they are to work for somebody who has made a choice of where they stand so that they can stand with you. It's less about being geopolitical and more about human rights. I would strongly recommend to donations to World Central Kitchen. If you oh, watch yes. the news, uh-huh. oh, they're in the background of every shot because they are on the front lines feeding people. Mm-hmm. Wanting to help and support those things it is the right thing to do for any person, for any company. That is not something that's hard to stand behind. That's easy to stand behind. Be, be a proud boy, Chad. I think that's what she's saying. <laughs> it's a complicated issue, Julie. We, we, we understand a lot better. Thanks for joining us, as always. This has been the Chad and Cheese Podcast Cult Brand Series with RecruitmentMarketing.com's Julie Callie. Yes. We out. Thank you. We out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast. The Chad. The Cheese brilliant they talk about recruiting they talk about technology but most of all they talk about nothing just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know and yet you're listening it's incredible and not one word about cheese not one cheddar blue nacho pepper jack swiss so many cheeses and not one word so weird anywho Be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure.
You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.